With a glimpse into the life of a pastor, here's Pastor Al Pittman. I remember some time ago, a lady came to the church, heard me on the radio, and after the service, she told me, she said, well, I heard you on the radio, and, you know, didn't know what you looked like or anything, but now that I've come down here and I've seen you, you know, I'm underwhelmed. And in my mind, I looked at her and said, baby, you ain't no hot stuff either. That's what I said in my mind. I didn't, didn't God corrected my spirit. But then she went on to say, but it's so great because God is showing me that it's not the person, the vessel, that it's, it's the Lord. I said, yeah, you got it. That's awesome. Thanks for insulting me. Dwelling Someone has well said that a leader is someone who knows the way, shows the way, and goes the way. We'll see the truth in that statement played out through Scripture, here today on The Dwelling Place. Pastor Al Pittman is currently leading us through the book of Titus. As we return to chapter 1, we see that Titus was given quite a challenge. He was left in a city known then as Crete, where rebellious men and deceivers were abundant. Let's see now how he handled it by joining Pastor Al for a message from his new series in Titus titled, Setting Things in Order. Well, we're here in the book of Titus, and uh, the theme through the book of Titus, as I mentioned before many weeks ago, but uh, is setting things in order. Setting things in order. The first thing we need to do to set things in order is we need to, be, uh, we need to have a common faith. We talked about common faith uh, in our last message from the book of Titus. And now we're going to be addressing today church leadership. Uh, We'll be looking at, of course, Titus chapter 1, verses 4 to verse 9. I know it may say 14 on the screen, but uh, this is going to be a two-part message. This is part one today. We know how important leadership is. We saw the tragic events surrounding our nation's exit from Afghanistan, and we know that leadership is really important. And Paul, understanding this, commissions and actually commands Titus to appoint qualified leaders within the church on the island of Crete. In verse 4, if you will read along with me, the latter part of verse 4, Paul says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. To set things in order, Paul is commanding, is starting really at the top. (laughs) It depends on, you know, your view of things. And Matt pastors to be a servant in the congregation, you you could say he's starting at the bottom. But he's starting with the leadership, addressing that, and commands Titus, to appoint leaders in the churches there uh, on the island of Crete. He begins, or actually concludes his introduction to the letter by saying, greeting Titus with everlasting grace, or everlasting grace, mercy, and peace, which are attributes of our faith. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. It's important for us to just park here for just a second, just to point out the fact that that this grace, mercy, and peace, he's speaking about the eternal grace, mercy, and peace, attributes of our faith in Jesus Christ. We have grace, we have mercy and peace. Praise God, amen. And it's everlasting. 
And, uh, you know, we sit looking at the world today and praying for our nation and all, but the entire world, people are looking for those three things today. Grace, mercy, and peace. But it cannot be found. It cannot be attained through politics or man-made uh, peace accords or wokeism or, or uh, economic prosperity. You can't find this grace, mercy, and peace. It can only come through the Father, the architect of our salvation, and the Son, the mediator of our salvation. Amen? So he sets kind of, again, the foundations and grace, mercy, and peace belongs to us in Jesus Christ. The particular leadership role that Paul is addressing here within our text is that of elder, a leader in the church, elder. Uh, I think this message is important. I know some of you say, well, this is a message just for pastors. I, I don't need this, but we really do. I think this is an important message for the church because here's the deal. Paul reveals to us the qualifications, if you will, of an elder. And that's so important that we, we know for ourselves in the church so that we're able to identify imposters when we see them. Amen. And a lot of people don't recognize. They just think a man stands on a platform, he has a Bible in his hand, he talks loud, or he has a little charisma, you know, uh, he's automatically a pastor. No. Paul lays out the qualifications here uh, within our text. I was um, reading many years ago about a, a church Happened to be in Africa. There's a lot of deceivers and imposters in America as well. But this happened to be in Africa. And this pastor it, it was, had directed his people, you know, to eat grass. I'm not talking about marijuana. <laughs> but to actually go out in the front of the church, because God told him to, to tell the congregation, because they were sheep, to go out and eat the grass. And the people did. And it just makes you wonder. We look at that and we go, how can somebody be so naive or so stupid <laughs> But if you're not in the Word and you've got an imposter in the pulpit, anything can happen. And so this message is really important for you, whether you're, I'm your pastor or whether you go to another church or you leave here. A lot of times we go to move places. We're trying to find a good church to go to. Make sure your pastor, that pastor meets these qualifications. Amen. So that you're not deceived. In Acts chapter 20, Paul warned. He said, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. So true. Savage wolves, deceivers, imposters will come in to fleece the flock of God, the people of God. And if you don't know the word, they will, you know, he will be able to carry out his agenda. A true leader of the church protects the church, protects the sheep, rather than pillages, uses the sheep for his own gain. The office of elder pastor uh, or bishop can be used interchangeably. Uh, they, they're all one in the same office. Uh, some definitions, pastor, the Latin word from the Latin word pastor, and it means shepherd. comes from the Latin word pasire, and it means to lead, to pasture, and to cause to eat. And I, I love that because what did Jesus tell Peter? Feed my sheep. What do you, what do you, what do you feed them? You feed them the word of God. Feed my sheep. And then the word elder, of course, the definition there is from the Greek word presbyteros, which means a senior or a presbyter. And then the word bishop, of course, from the Greek word episkopos, it means superintendent or overseer. Pastors are, in essence, under shepherds of the chief shepherd. Who is the chief shepherd? Jesus. 
Peter, who was commissioned to feed the sheep, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, shepherd the flock of God, speaking to pastors, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not with an attitude, I got to go out there and talk to them people. I got to preach this morning, you know. Not with compulsion, but, with, but willingly. I always tell young pastors, you know, you know, to guard their hearts because, you know, when you start in a church, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's got this, you, know the, you, you will experience, I guarantee you, <laughs> what Jesus experienced on the Passion Week because you'll come in and they'll be like, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And a week later, they'll want to crucify you. And you have to not let your heart get bitter. And, uh, you know, when we first came here to this church, we had around 80 people, and we, you know, I came in, and of course, you know, it was, you know, blessed to you comes in the name of the Lord, and about a week later, crucified. And, uh, you know, I started to get a little upset, and, you know, about things people were saying or whatever, and some of that angst was leaking into my points and my message, you know. <laughs> and God rebuked me. He said, love them or resign. Serve willingly, not by compulsion. And I fell in love with that little flock we had, 80 people. And God has done the rest down through the years. Glory to his name. Amen. Do it willingly. You are an under-shepherd of Jesus Christ. Not for dishonest gain, it goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 5, but eagerly, nor as being Lord's over those entrusted to you like some tyrant, but being an example to them, to the flock. And when the chief shepherd who you will answer to appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Amen. Praise the Lord. The pastor serves in partnership with God for the edification of the church. To fill up that which is lacking. That word lacking in our text is an interesting word. It's the Greek word lipo. It means to be passive, to leave destitute, to be absent. I don't know if it's where we get our, that term liposuction. Amen. <laughs> lacking. Amen. Lipo. Amen. That's what it says. So, you know, but it's interesting. Fill up that which is lacking. In our text here, what I want to share with you, there are three aspects of the pastoral ministry which are essential for a true, to a true pastoral call. Someone says, I'm called to be a pastor. Well, here's three things that are necessary. You must be appointed, you must be accountable, and you must have authority. Those three things. Today we're going to talk about the appointment and the accountability. And next week, part two, we'll talk more about a pastor's authority. The pastor must be appointed. Let me say that the pastoral call is not a career choice. Oh, you know, I kind of looked around, you know, business degree or whatever, manager, doctor or whatever, but hey, I like that pastor thing. You only work once a week. The rest of the time you can play golf or whatever, just come in and talk for 20 minutes maybe. No, it's not a career choice. In fact, it chooses you. That's an interesting way of seeing it, wouldn't you say? Pastor Al will be back with more on the unique task of pastoring a flock in just a moment. As we course our way through the year 2022, there are a lot of uncertainties. 
If there's one thing that needs to be consistent, it's the broadcasting of sound Bible teaching, like you hear every day on The Dwelling Place. We need your financial support to continue this radio ministry. To make a one-time donation or to become a monthly supporter, just go to cwccs.org or text the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. You can also send a donation through the mail to The Dwelling Place, 501 Castle Road, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80904. And on behalf of Pastor Al, thanks for your support, both through donation and through prayer. Now with more on the role of the pastor, here's Pastor Al with a quick glance at 1 Timothy 1. A preacher is not what I do, it's who I am. Paul the Apostle said it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 1, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me in the ministry. Now, how did Jesus count Paul faithful? When Jesus called Paul, do you know what he was doing? He was killing and imprisoning Christians. But Jesus called him faithful. It just tells me something about the, 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 the power of God. That God chooses us. He declared Paul to be faithful. Was Paul being faithful? No, he wasn't even interested in following Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, I choose you. It's the same thing with you and, and me, with, with us. God chose you. Stop picking on yourself. In his eyes, you are a child of God. And don't ever forget it. God is able to see things in you that you cannot see. God's able to see things in other people that you can't see. And he declared Paul to be faithful. Just as he, the angel in Judges chapter 6, showed up while Gideon was hiding out, threshing the wheat, and showed up, the angel showed up and said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. He was a coward. But what it tells me is what God declares about you is more important than what you think and what other people say about you. Thou mighty man of valor. Wow. So it was God who said, I declared you faithful. I declared you worthy. Put him in the ministry. God qualifies the unqualified for his glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that. But there it says God chooses the foolish and the weak things. He chooses those things that are despised, those things that are not, that he alone might receive the glory. The Bible tells us that God has placed his glory in earthen vessels. I like to say crackpots so that the excellency of the power may be of him and not of us. When people come to Calvary Worship Center, a church that's grown from 80 people to what it is now, you know, they know that excellency of the powers of God is not of Al Pittman. It's God who's done the work. <laughs> I remember some time ago, a lady came to the church, heard me on the radio, and after the service, she decided to come down, and she told me, she said, well, I heard you on the radio, and you know, didn't know what you looked like or anything, but now that I've come down here and I've seen you, you know, I'm underwhelmed. <laughs> and in my mind, I looked at her and said, baby, you ain't no hot stuff either. <laughs> That's why I said in my mind. I didn't, didn't I? God corrected my spirit. <laughs> but then she went on to say, but it's so great because God is showing me that it's not, it's not the person, the vessel, that it's, it's the Lord. I said, yeah, you got it. That's awesome. 
thanks for insulting me. <laughs> when Samuel went to anoint the king of Israel, to anoint David, he didn't know it was David. He just went to Jesse. Jesse had a bunch of sons. Jesse was the father of David and went to Jesse's household. And he said, hey, the Lord sent me here to anoint one of your sons to be king. And he brought out the first son, and he was a stud. Oh, Samuel, oh, that's the, that's the king. Woo. And the Lord said, that's not him. He went through all these sons of Jesse, and the Lord said, no, no, no. Samuel, out of frustration, said, Jesse, you have any more sons? And this is the funny part to me. Jesse had to stop and think, hmm, uh. <laughs> baby, we had, we had another one around here. Right? Oh, David, out doing the lowliest job in the family, watching the sheep. Bring that young teenager in here. And David came in, walked in, and the Lord said to Samuel, the prophet, anoint him. And then reminded Samuel, men judge by the outward things, God judges the heart. Amen. God judges the heart. God had anointed David to be king. So Titus' task here is really important because he is not just to appoint somebody that looks good. Well, he thinks he'd do the job. He had to also recognize the anointing in their life. Amen. This is a command that Paul had given to him to appoint those whom God had anointed. In verse 6, Paul gives five basic requirements for pastors. He's basically telling Titus, this is where you start when you're looking for those who are anointed to God, these are five basic qualities. You kind of start with, with these. And we see here in verse 6 where, when Paul declares, if a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. This is the guy you want to look for. It must have these qualities. If a man is blameless, that word blameless, what does it mean in Greek? It means unaccused without wrongdoing. A pastor is not called to be perfect, but blameless. There's a lot of times we want to create a pastor in our own image. We want people to be, the pastor to be what I'm not. That's not how it works. A pastor is not perfect, but he's blameless. No accusations stick to him because people are always blaming the pastor. A lot of times. Some months ago, a lady was upset with me because I didn't make it a mandate for people to wear masks in the congregation. I figured, you know, you're grown, you're adults. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. Ain't nothing wrong with wearing a mask. But I'm not going to make it a mandate and stop people at the door. Hey! I'm not going to do that. She got upset. She contacted the Gazette paper and uh, wrote, and the Gazette called us. We kind of explained to them you know, our position, and, and uh, they went on with the, the story anyway. And basically, the gist of the story was, story was Pastor Al was shaming people and telling people that if they, if they, if they don't come to church, you know, uh, they're going to go to hell. I thought, hmm, I've never preached that. <laughs> but if it'll pack them in. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was true. It was, it, it was, it was uh, not true. It was, it, was, it was false. It was a lie. In order, the first reaction was, I'm going to write an op-ed. I'm going to say, no, the Lord is my defense, my shield. 
God said, be quiet. He said, let your fruit speak for you. I didn't know what that meant until people started calling the church saying, hey, pastor, I saw this, this article. Would you mind if I write an op-ed? Several of you wrote in the fruit of this ministry. Amen. I thank God for it. And as a result, because the Lord is my defense, you know, it never grew legs. It never went anywhere. You know, a pastor is to be blameless. I was blameless in the matter that I was being accused. The second thing is that a pastor must be the husband of one wife. Do I need to elaborate on that? He must be the husband of one wife. Now, someone asked me a great question last service. said, well, does that mean that a pastor can't, uh, can't be a pastor unless he has a wife? I said, no. He can be a pastor and not be married. It just means that when he gets married, only get one. <laughs> Amen. Makes sense. You, can be the, you have to be the husband of, or you should be the husband of one wife. Amen. Not a little something, something on the side. Amen. Amen. We'll move on. The third requirement is he must have faithful children. This is, I'm going to spend a little time here because that phrase faithful children it does not mean perfect children it means trustworthy children children subject to the pastor's leadership in the home and the pastor should be leading according to the word of god a lot of people well-meaning people again try to fashion a pastor in their own image and even beyond that try to fashion the pastor's family in their own image and to put unrealistic expectations on the pastor in his household one article I read uh, the other day said that 80% of pastors believe that the ministry has, has uh, negatively affected their families, close quote, 80%. And I understand that statistic because a, a lot of pastors try to live up to other people's expectations. You won't be around long if you do. I think Focus on the Family put out an uh, article some time ago that 1,500 churches close their doors every month around the country. You must be called to this. <laughs> and you can't enter into the ministry trying to keep everybody happy. You won't last. You'll be frustrated. The sad thing about that 80% statistic is that it really impacts the pastor's kids. PKs, they call them, preacher's kids. have been known to quickly abandon the faith after they've gone off to college or gotten old enough to leave home because of the pressure people put upon them in the ministry. This has been The Dwelling Place with pastor and author Al Pittman and a message from Al's series through the book of Acts. You can listen to today's message again, watch the video version, or download an MP3 with a simple click. Just go to cwccs.org and click the Messages tab at the top of the page. And while you're checking out our website, be sure to download the Calvary Worship Center app for your device and take Pastor Al with you wherever you go. The Dwelling Place is also available at oneplace.com. And I'd also like to ask you to take a few moments today to send Pastor Al an email and let him know that you enjoy The Dwelling Place on this station. That would be a great encouragement to Pastor Al and all of us here at The Dwelling Place. You can also share a prayer request with us and we'll count it a privilege to pray for you. Just send an email to amen at cwccs.org. Let me also remind you in closing that The Dwelling Place is a listener-supported outreach. We count on your support to keep this radio ministry going and growing. If you'd like to join our support team with a one-time gift or on a regular monthly basis, 
you can do so at our website, cwccs.org, or by texting the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. If you live in the Colorado Springs area and are looking for a church home, or you'll be visiting the area in the future, we invite you to come join us for worship here at Calvary Worship Center. You'll find directions and more information at cwccs.org. And no matter where you are, you can watch our services via live streaming right there at our website. Have a wonderful day in the Lord and join us for another study in Acts next time on The Dwelling Place with Pastor Al Pittman, presented by Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Dwelling Place.